to Friday Friends Day, a podcast by The Mama Marketer. I am your host, Olivia, and today I am here with my friend, Lindsay. Um, Lindsay, tell us a little bit about you and what you do every day. Well, I'm a mom of four kids, and um, I've been married for almost 12 years. And um, I uh, grew up in the church and had, uh, I was the youngest of, uh, after five boys. I have five older brothers, and I was... Um, the annoying princess. So although my kid, my, my brothers like loved me to pieces, I was also the one that was kind of, you know, oh, just go away, go away. We're, we're hanging out with our friends. And so I, uh, so, so yeah, I was the princess, but yeah, I, I was amongst, I grew up a lot around a lot of testosterone. Yeah. And so. <laughs> how funny, because you have a few boys and then a little girl that's your youngest too. So that's, that's so funny. Yes, I'm so glad I didn't have to make it to five boys before I got my little girl. <laughs> yes. But she is like the, the cherry on top. She is so cool. precious and she's so much fun. And my boys are just a huge, big, giant handful, but they're a lot of fun. And we just started homeschooling them. And so that's been um, a, a huge transition for us and I'm sure that there's probably a lot of people homeschooling right now so there's probably a lot of mamas out there pulling their hair out just just like me yes so yeah it's been it's been very um very challenging but it's it's also what's been on my heart since I was um since I first had my my first son I, I wanted to homeschool the entire probably probably for my whole life I really wanted to homeschool my kids but I you know I got a lot of discouragement a discouragement from my husband because he did not have a good homeschool experience mm. and so he um, he really discouraged it a lot um, but I've found that it's actually so fulfilling every desire of my heart I just yeah. I'm really really thankful that we're that they're home but it is <laughs> it's exhausting yeah. so I remember having that same moment um, after a couple of years of homeschooling too where here I always thought that my like you know ability to like organize and like you know like my skill set I always thought oh I'm supposed to run a business you know I'm supposed to like do marketing I'm supposed to do all these other things and then I had a moment after a couple years of homeschooling where I was like no this is what my skill set is best used for this actually is the right thing for the tools that I have right Mm -hmm. so that's such a blessing to like find that it's something that you wanted to do you're executing and it's fulfilling um it's sad that it took a pandemic you know to to get you there but you know I was just talking to another gal the other day who has always wanted to homeschool tried to do it this year but ended up because of like custody issues and stuff not being able to she had to put her kids back in public school only to have them be doing it online anyways but I was telling her like when we made the decision to homeschool it was like a couple of years process where we took the time to decide how we wanted to do it and curriculum and all these things and she was just thrown into it and I was like this is not a normal experience like I promise like you can try again a couple years down the line and just like there just is such a difference between homeschooling that we were doing two years ago and the crisis schooling that a lot of us are having to do now so um I definitely do not envy the moms who have been thrown into this I have just felt such compassion for the moms who don't know what they're gonna do they have to go to work and they don't know I have no idea how people are doing it I mean I just my heart goes out to all of all of these moms who are really really struggling not knowing you know how do we how do we carry this out how do we execute this what is this supposed to look like I just 
you know, so it actually was in February when we decided to homeschool. Right, it was pre so all this, you're it right. It was right before the quarantine. And so that kind of was confirmation to me that it wasn't just like this is, oh, that I was thrown into this, but God had really good timing for me in it because he was already preparing my heart for what he already right. knew was going to happen. And so it was just really awesome timing. And I actually found a co-op right. that, um, that, that has been such a blessing to me. Um, we have about 20 families in this co-op cool. and we all do the same curriculum. So, um, I was actually doing the curriculum for one of my sons last year. I homeschooled one son last right. year and I'm so glad that I did because God taught me so much yeah. in that year. And I, I learned so much about that son that needed a lot of help. And so God really prepared me for this year a lot. So yeah. it's been a blessing, but, but this co-op, I didn't really get to choose what curriculum because they right. were all doing the same one anyway, yep. which so. can be such a load off. Cause that is like the second question people ask when they reach out for help homeschooling is like one, how do I do it legally? Blah, blah, blah. And then two curriculum like people stress that so it's kind of nice that you didn't have to choose it that it, it was. was already there <laughs> it was and it was actually funny because I went to a friend's house for dinner uh, my husband and her husband right worked together and they invited us to come over they had kind of struck up a friendship and um, they they uh, invited us over for dinner and I said hey what curriculum do you do and it was a classical curriculum it right. like looked very boring to me I'm like, <laughs> I looked at it and I was like wow that that's that's great I'm that's so great I don't think I would ever in, in the back of my mind I'm thinking there's no way I would choose that curriculum it was like from you know like the Roman yeah. the it's like I don't know what how would you describe that the kind of the font yeah the, not the font but the pictures and stuff it's yes, like very just, just old, outdated yeah probably just very, classical very classical yeah. and I'm like I looked at it I'm like that looks like the most boring curriculum ever and here I am <laughs> and I could not stop thinking about it all week long because it just um, I just loved what she was telling me about the co-op. Right. They all do school together. It's from eight to three and all the moms teach different classes. Right. They do Latin and Latin scared me to death. I was like, I cannot learn Latin. There's yeah. no way I'm doing that. There's no way my kids can do that. And here my 11 year old has learned over a hundred words, a hundred yeah. Latin words this since just in the last 11 weeks. And I've, I'm so proud of him. So it's been, yeah. we've had a lot of growth. Yeah. So that is really cool, and that's a common misconception about homeschool is that we don't have a community around us, and it couldn't be further from the truth whether you're in a co-op or not. There's so many opportunities um, to, to mix and mingle with other kids and other parents, and, and we're, we have felt the COVID weirdness too. Like, we've had some of our social things taken away too, so mm -hmm. I always tell people, like, what you're doing now really isn't the same because, yeah, our kids are missing out on that social time as well, so... Um, so yeah, that is really cool. I know a lot of folks assumed that I would be teaching like Latin and cursive and all these things. And I think I thought I would, but then when it came down to it, I was like, I'd rather, you know, coding. I'd rather, you know, like <laughs> Spanish, like, you know, um, but it's really cool um, that they know that. And especially like, like my sister is really into like Catholicism and stuff like that. And it helps her understand the way her church does things knowing Latin. They still have prayers in Latin. Right. Um, so, so yeah, that's so cool. Just that wealth of knowledge and appreciation that he's going to have for that language. You right. Know? So that is so cool. Oh my well, gosh. my sister-in-law, Jackie, she, um, uh, she actually was taking, I don't, 
G G okay, I she was taking a class and she's like right. she was taking it because she had to take it and she said I, there's no way that I wanted to study that because I had nothing to do with my major right. and she said the only way that I pa- passed it was because of my knowing Latin because mm, it had it had the Latin word in there and the yeah. meaning and she's like well I know that that means this and so it yeah. must be this so she said she was able to decode that the, yep. the final because of what she knew in Latin and so yeah. anyway I, I got over it but if like when I first started it I was yeah. kind of terrified of having to do that I think teaching any subject that you don't know yourself can be daunting yeah um, but you have help as a teacher as well so that's really cool and I know um anyone that's going to go into like medical or science it helps them having a Latin background because they still use those like you know like she was saying decoding like the root words mm-hmm. and those type of things so um that is really cool he'll have that base to do whatever he wants to with, you know? Right. Well, and it's kind of funny because I don't consider ourselves like fancy people, but when I tell people <laughs> that my kids are doing Latin, you get these weird looks, not these weird looks, but like these surprise looks like, wow, <laughs> wow, you guys must be really smart. <laughs> like, my son uh, has dyslexia. <laughs> and, um, but he he's he's grown a lot. We've actually been doing brain therapy. Mm. And brain therapy, if, you, if, if there's any listeners that... You're, you guys um, have know of people that have struggled with dyslexia. Brain yeah. therapy is a really amazing way to go because it re- basically rehabilitates the mm. brain. And so a lot of people think that dyslexia is something that you can never get rid of, but it's right. actually something that you can you can rewire your brain to mm. to kind of overcome that, so you don't you don't have those effects of dyslexia anymore. So he's grown a lot from yeah. that. So that um, is really cool and cool on you for turning to that as a as a path like as a solution kind of for that because not all parents like you said sometimes it's oh well we just have this thing and we just have to figure out how to live with it versus let's try to attend therapy to see if we can lessen its effects a little bit so um so yeah that's a cool way of coming at it for sure yeah I mean I, I look at it as though if you break your leg um the people okay so you break your leg and and most doctors will say oh well now you can never walk again you're always going to have to use crutches so you're going to have to get you're going to have to figure out how to use crutches and do normal activities and what what um and that's obviously ridiculous because that's not what we do but just like our brain can be injured from from whatever reason um dyslexia is something that you can actually you know you can actually train your brain to overcome it rather than having to train your brain to over like to compensate by using crutches or by using well we have to find because they'll tell you you have to find ways to to like get around it or you have to re you know anyways I I just have found that it's been very very successful for him because he used to skip all of the conjunction words Mm. all of the little words and so his his comprehension was terrible. Mm. Um, so now with brain therapy, which we went through a, a learning RX, um, that our training, our trainer went through learning RX. Okay. And so she, um, uh, she, she actually re- rehabilitated her son oh, that wow. was in speech therapy for six years. And she actually, in six months time, he was, he got kicked out of his speech therapy. He lost his IEP and oh, he gosh. was in honors English because of brain therapy, because wow. she was able to rehabilitate him because he was dyslexic, dysgraphic, and he had a speech impediment. Mm. And now he's doing phenomenal. And I heard these results and I thought, I've got at least try, to try it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. That is really cool. Well, it sounds like you are, I mean, even with the hard days, I always think the worst homeschooling day is still better than my kids being in someone else's care for eight hours a day 
now with COVID happening, like there's mm-hmm. still, it's the worst homeschool day is still better than the best public school day, right. I think. So it sounds right. like you're doing a great job. Um, okay, so I brought Lindsay on today because I wanted to talk to her about um, her experience with growing up in the church. So tell me, who in your family worked in full-time ministry? So my grandpa, um, on my dad's side, my dad's dad was a pastor of a very small church called the um, Apostolic Christian Church. And uh, they were very conservative, very, very conservative church. So the men sit on one side, the women all sit on the other side. They have the head coverings, they sing the hymns. Um, You would never find any any more hospitable of a group of people. They are wonderful, wonderful people. They're very conservative. There's nothing wrong with that group at all. Uh, My my parents actually met in that church. They had had my five brothers and then they had me. And right around the time that, right right after I was born is when we no longer were in the church. Now we have a really big family and we were like the first ones to actually stop going to that church and my dad is the oldest of seven and so his father being the pastor it was a really hard decision for them to leave that church um but it actually was because of a traumatic experience that my Mm. brother had with one of the elders and you know you can just imagine that everybody has sin in their life and we all we all fall and it's very very difficult to see people in leadership Mm. fall and it it has turned so many people away from christ Because they see this this brokenness in the church, but we we have to realize that we're all human. Yes, we yeah. are all human, and we all make mistakes. And the enemy can deceive us and bring us into darkness. And then you know it's and we don't have a lot of grace for people in the ministry. We're like, oh, it, it must be they must God it has must, to be must, perfect. Yep, God just yeah. must not be real. This is you know we put yeah. so much faith in men. Yeah, and so my grandpa was an amazing man of God, and he was very very highly respected in the community um he was a great businessman um he he was very he had a way with people he was a wonderful man but one of the men in his leadership um took advantage of one of my of my of one of my Mm. older brothers and there they didn't really my parents were were told right away my brother told them right away what had happened Mm. and um but they didn't handle it properly they didn't bring the, the reconciliation that right. we needed and it was just it wouldn't have been kind to make my brother go back to that right. church and see that person and so they ended up leaving making a very very hard decision to leave and we mm-hmm. actually went to a, a non-denominational churches which is church which is where I grew up um, so I grew up in a non-denominational church and um, became a Christian when I was five and mm-hmm. um, and it was not because of my parents it was literally because I was laying on the trampoline one night with my mom and I was just looking up in the sky and I was just looking at the clouds and looking at the handiwork of our creator and I was literally just, I just felt him. I mm. felt his love and I remember it so clear, a clear as day I was laying there and I felt just enveloped by the love of God yeah. and he just spoke to me and he just told me how much he loved me and how proud of me he was. and. I just, I wanted to give my heart to Jesus. And I said, I just want to be his. Yeah. I want to be his. I have to be his. And I developed a love for the Lord very early. Mm. Um, but very, very quickly after that, um, the enemy came in to try to steal, kill, and destroy my life. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so go ahead. Yeah. So I just want to back up a little bit on um, just some like big moments. So one, I just want to give props to your brother, not knowing if he'll ever listen to this or not, but studies show as a, as a 
mom of boys, one of my biggest fears is that something will happen to them, some kind of abuse like that, because studies show that boys do not speak up. At any age across the spectrum, they're already told they're supposed to be the big tough ones and those type of things don't happen to them. And they just like studies show that they do not come forward. Mm -hmm. And so just the fact that your brother immediately told your parents, knowing your grandfather's role and knowing how important church was to you guys, like that is so brave and so amazing that he did that. Like Mm -hmm. that's just like, we can all hope that our boys would feel that confidence with us if something happened to them. Mm -hmm. Um, And then two, okay, so I have a question. When you guys left, did you, I'm assuming you guys just left, you and your parents, I'm assuming your grandfather stayed on in his role, is that right? Yes. And did, hey, how long did he stay in that role after you guys oh, left a long time he did. until okay. he retired at I don't know how how long how late he retired it was in his probably his 80s when he yeah. stopped preaching he preached for a long time mm. so um yeah what was it like to go from my grandfather is the pastor to here I am now at a non-denominational church which is very different than the one you described to us to so to go from you know kind of a stricter um, more traditional church to non-denominational, but then also at the same time go from my grandpa's to the pastor to now I'm just a, for lack of a better way of describing it, regular lay person. Like, how was that transition for your family? Um, you know, honestly, I haven't talked to my brothers about that transition. I just know it was difficult for my parents. I was a baby. So mm, okay. my earliest gotcha. memories were at our non-denominational church gotcha. that we grew up in. Um, so I know that it was it, they needed a lot of healing from that. It was very difficult for my dad, I'm sure, because he's the oldest son. And, you know, I'm sure that my grandpa wanted him to take over that role someday. Yeah. So I know that was very difficult for him to, to to see his oldest son leave and under such terrible circumstances. Yeah. And it really hurt a lot of the members of the church. Yeah. It really tore up a lot of our, 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 our like, our cousins and different families. Mm-hmm. It just kind of, a lot of people just kind of, uh, went, dissipated. Just dissipated and yeah. left and were very hurt by it. And so, um, it's I, so awesome that your family, that your brother came forward, your family listened to your brother, believed your brother and supported him to the point where they were like, we're leaving this church, like to leave a church as a person that's involved as a person whose grandfather has this role. Like that was not, like you said, an easy decision, but they supported their son over it. Yeah. And like the whole family did. And I just feel like, like your unit leaving together to support him is just like kind of a beautiful amazing thing like I feel like in other families that wouldn't that's not always the case it doesn't always work out like that it's sad that it dissipated some of the church congregation but um it's really cool how your family supported him right well it also just goes to show that no matter how conservative of a church Mm -hmm. that you grow up in there is evil lurking everywhere and we have to be aware of it and we can't put our hope too much in people because they're fallen and we we have all I mean even Eve who was completely beautiful and perfect and you know she she walked with God she was deceived we can't put our hope in men and in people and so one thing what what when I got got a little older, I noticed that my grandmother treated us differently than she did the other cousins because mm. my seven, my six other neat, um, aunts and uncles and all of our cousins, we were all in the same in that church. None yeah. of them, nobody else left except for us. Uh. So I definitely felt a different treatment from my grandma that she would talk about my other cousins and oh uh. they're doing this and they're doing that. And did you know that your cousin had, knows seven languages? Oh and, my gosh! You know, does he so, know Latin? No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 
so um, I definitely felt different treatment and I didn't yeah. understand what that was until I got older right. until I realized oh and okay so how old were you when you found out about all that drama that happened and that that was the reason you left the church you were at uh, I, you know, honestly, it's been such a long time. Um, I think my mom tried to keep it from me as long as possible. Um, but she, I think I was probably 16 or 17 when I finally found out. Um, but I had had a similar experience happen when I was, um, five with, a, with an older cousin. Mm. And, um, and so it was something that was just, it was a horrible and a traumatic thing. And mm. I, and I was kind of sworn to secrecy, but I think I, I really took it personal like it was my fault I took mm. it as is typical in abuse situation the other person is smart enough to make it seem like you had 50% of the responsibility of what happened so you could never be honest about it or tell anyone about it because half of it was you and right. half of this awful was you um, and that's a way of manipulating people into keeping abuse quiet for a very long time so right. obviously they were smart enough Mm -hmm. with you to make you feel that way for a while right because I felt like well maybe I could have escaped maybe I could have ran away you know maybe there, there was something that I could have done or I could have fought a little bit harder and, um, and I felt like I was convinced that it was an okay thing to, to do an experiment mm -hmm. with and and even though I was horrified I you know kind of gave in because this person was like well if you don't then this is gonna happen mm. and um, and so when I finally told my mom at 13 I was to the point where I was having suicidal thoughts oh, that gosh. were not even something I would normally think right and so I'm having these suicidal thoughts think and then the enemy's like ooh you're thinking these things you're a horrible person so there's Ugh. like the suicidal thought and then the condemnation that went along yep. with that like I can't believe that you would even think that you're such a terrible person so I would just I was I was I was feeling yeah. hearing like thousands of voices in my mm. head and the enemy was literally trying to take get me to take my life because mm. I was in such turmoil over this traumatic experience and the, the Lord just came in and he said if you don't tell your mom mm. and you don't shine light in this dark place then you're going to struggle with this for the rest of your life so on the outside I was this sweet precious little girl that everybody would would talk about like oh she loves you were Jesus. The I was the, the family. Princess. My dad would introduce me and say oh she just loves Jesus so much. Mm. And um, and I'm like yes I did love Jesus but I'm like if he only knew what I had done mm -hmm. if he only knew what what you know this experience that I had he wouldn't say that. Mm. And so I felt a lot of shame and a lot of guilt with that too. And the Lord just told me if you don't tell your mom then you're going to struggle with this for the rest of your life. Mm. And so it was the hardest thing I had to do to tell my mom. Yeah. But when I did, I experienced the most freedom I've ever yep. had in my life. So, um, that was kind of, so when you told her it was kind of when she also was like, Hey, like in my mind, imagine her being like, even though she wouldn't talk like this, I imagine her being like, we've been through this. We got this. We got <laughs> you little girl. Like our yeah. family has like of all the families you could have come to, uh -huh we've kind of gone through something like this uh -huh. and we're just here and we just got you yeah and it's gonna be fine yeah um so that's really cool and i'm sorry that that happened i i do i did know that story about you before today because and this kind of naturally goes into kind of the, one of the next things i wanted to talk about um so you do have a ministry that you do part-time um that came out of this thing that you went through so i kind of wanted to talk about it's my suspicion that people who grew up having people in their lives that served tend to also serve. 
whether it's full-time, part-time, volunteer, whatever. So I'm just curious. I obviously know that you have a ministry. Is there anybody else in your family that serves in any capacity current day? Um, well, my dad was an elder at the church for a lot of years, and so he was a you know highly respected man and served on the altar team, served on the worship team. Cool. And my brother Blake was a full-time uh, worship pastor mm. at a big church for. He was actually the youth the youth pastor, um, the worship pastor for the youth. And he was there for 12 years. Wow. And yeah, so he served there for a long time until they had to lay off half their staff. Mm. And so he really was very hurt because he, he didn't think that he was going to be one of the people that they did, like they just disposed of. Yeah. And he had invested Ugh. so many years in that church. And so he's yeah. had a lot of fear to get back into another position like yeah. that. And so, um, but he was also really taken advantage of in mm-hmm. the church and just like, like so much was put on him yeah. more than what should have been. And yeah. so um, sometimes I'm, little a little nervous to serve at church because I know that can happen to people and it's so hard I think whether you are a whether you're serving a church on payroll or in a volunteer role um, it's so hard to have so much of your identity wrapped up in that because it's a good thing it's not like we like I even catch myself like justifying it sometimes because it's you know it's not like I'm climbing a corporate ladder it's for Jesus's kingdom how can this how can this time be bad you know Um, but then you know we have to kind of check ourselves like it is an earthly thing where we should be kind of focusing on kingdom things so and I can fully understand like the I can only imagine the type of things that were put on him because we have a worship worship arts pastor in our family and he talks about how like it's not just putting out good music on Sundays it's the tech it's the music requests it's the music licensing it's that it's all these things that like you didn't really know we're gonna be a part of the job until it was um, and then I can only imagine once you conquer that role and then it's taken away, like, you know, it's not the same as just being fired from a call center job. You know, this is spiritual work that all of a sudden you're now not able to fulfill. So I can imagine how that would be. Um, so I'm curious how you think that your your grandparents, your parents, and even your older brothers, like how that has impacted the way that you think about serving and about ministry. Um, well, I mean, the... I don't really, I don't really see my grandpa's role as anything that that really encouraged me to. Uh, I think my dad, when I was younger, I just, I would, I think it sparked when I would see the the the, the commercials on the TV about like mm. the, the kids in Africa, mm. and my heart went out to these to these little kids, and I just wanted to serve these kids in Africa, and I wanted to serve at a soup kitchen. And I wanted to do something good for the Lord. And so I realized that a lot of the um, this desire that I had was uh, because I wanted to feel like I did something for God. Mm, right. And so it's been a huge process and the Lord showing me that, who are you really doing this for, Lindsay? Right. Are you doing this because you want to pat yourself on the back and say, look at me, Jesus, look how beautiful I am. I did all this stuff for you. Right. And um, even though I did want to do it for Jesus, there was this secret part of my heart that really wanted to do it for myself. Right. And that was very a very, very hard pill to swallow when the Lord did not allow me to advance for a long time mm. because he was like, you're doing it for yourself. 
And I seriously, I was just at this point weeping before the Lord saying, why am I not going forward? Why am I not moving forward? Why, why is our things not happening for me as in ministry? And the Lord was like, well, you're, you're doing it for yourself. You really want me to tell you, Mm. Lindsay, I'll tell you, you're doing it for your own glory. And I looked at him and said, Oh, how dare you say that to me? I am not doing this for my own glory. I'm doing this for you, Jesus. I want to serve you. And he's like, no, 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 look closer yeah. and, and he showed me this part of my heart that wants to perform and that wants affirmation and that wants approval and that wants to feel good about myself yeah. and that wants to feel like I'm doing something good for the Lord well what if the Lord wants me to to serve my my dying mom for 10 years like would I be okay with that if that's right. what his calling was for yeah. me would that be okay with me we and don't I want to be we, we just had a series on Jonah at church we don't like, I don't want to find out. <laughs> I would yeah. not do well <laughs> in the belly of the beast. <laughs> so, um, But, you know, it's something that comes up a lot. Like, you know, as someone that has a platform and someone who's trying to be an author and, you know, all these speakers and stuff that I follow, like, it is something that they talk about a lot. Like, making sure that, like, we are serving for the Lord and not for us, you know? And I grew up Catholic, so, I mean, they always use that verse that was like, don't let the right hand know what the left hand is doing. And there's even one that's like, don't serve by light of day or don't let people see you worshiping or something like that. So I grew up where it was like, you don't even look at the basket of money going by in church. Like, you don't even look at it. You just give what you can and you don't talk about it, right? Mm -hmm. So, So, yeah, it's definitely a fine balance between like, furthering the kingdom, wanting to serve where you can, but also like knowing when not to. Like I know for me, there are clear times where the Lord is like, go out and do and serve and do all the things. But there's other times where he's like, you just need to sit home and read the Bible. (laughs) You just need to sit home and pray. Like there are clear times where he's like, no, you shouldn't take that on. You need to just relax. So, um, and two, like we both talked at the beginning about like homeschool, like, you know, we kind of have our, tasks set out before us <laughs> you know we have we were given kids and we were given things to steward so it's a matter of like how can I fit in these other things and I think that the answer to that I, I'm asked all the time about how to like balance it all and I'm like you just have to listen like just like you were listening and how he was like no girl check yourself like who is it for like it could be another message the Lord is trying to give you but you just have to listen and you just have to like it's not just the Christian answer about how it's like hey do you want to serve on this team and you're like oh I'll pray about it that's like the new like Christian way of saying no like let me pray about it and see it's like it's a funny meme but it also is true like you also have to like pray about like is this the right thing could this make sense for my life or would this you know take away from the most important things Mm -hmm. you know so right so yeah okay well this has been a really good chat and I knew that we wouldn't fully talk about only the things that I had planned I knew that like our conversations should just go where they wanted to go so I just wanted to ask you I want you to definitely let people know so even though just a few minutes on your ministry so is it okay if I talk about it? okay so Lindsay has a ministry called father or phantom that I also have helped her with um with like marketing and things in the past and it's a really powerful women and girls event about discerning the voice of the father um but also like I know recently we've talked about how like it might not be a time in your life where we're trying to have a bunch of these events this year. It's also COVID. Events aren't happening, you know? So what does it look like digitally? What is it, you know, but also you're homeschooling all these kids. So so I want to be able to touch on your ministry, but also knowing that there might not be a whole lot of action there in the coming months. But I think it's still important for people to know um, that if they've heard your story and they know your heart, 
there is this platform that you do have that they can. Um, so just tell us a little bit of plug about it, um, if there's any plans upcoming for it, and also like where we can find it online and stuff. Okay, so um, when I uh, was in that deep depression when I was 13, I literally felt like I was falling in a pit mm-hmm. and I was surrounded by darkness and everybody on the outside saw this this Christian little girl that loved Jesus and read her Bible and told people about the Lord. And in my heart of hearts, I felt like I was screaming at the top of my lungs, but nobody could hear me. Mm. And I was, um, that's, that's how I felt. That's how my soul, my soul was feeling is I feel so alone and so dark and I don't know why. And so when I was able to, to talk to my mom and shine the light in that dark place, I went from feeling like I was in that pit to, to I am now soaring on wings of an eagle and I felt freer than I've ever felt in my mm-hmm. life. And I thought, man, I don't ever, ever want anybody to experience that feeling that I was having. If there's freedom on the other side, I want everyone to know about it. Mm-hmm. This Amen. freedom feels so good. I want everybody to know that there's freedom. You don't have to be in that pit. You don't have to feel that way. So, um, uh, when I was uh, probably 19, I started um, helping out in a, um, in, a, in a church in their youth ministry, and I decided to do an event for the girls, knowing that these girls needed freedom. And so um, uh, when I was planning this lock-in, the Lord told me to do the Father, uh, the Phantom of the Opera movie. Yes, yeah. And so I was like, hey, Which if I you're can't... if you're my age, you absolutely remember when Emmy Rossum just like burst onto the scene and was this like girl from like... Like, we listened to the soundtrack all the time. I remember, like, it was a big deal, like, if you were my age. And as we've talked before, I'm really into pop culture and all the popular things. And this, you know, you know this movie. If you're in your mid-30s, you remember when this Broadway adaptation movie came out. So that's that's the one we're talking about here. It was incredible. I've, I've always loved the movie ever since the first time that I saw it, probably at 15 or 16. And I'd seen it dozens dozens of times but never watched it in this um with these eyes Mm -hmm. and so as i watched it to see you know hey let me make sure there's no cussing let me see make sure this is appropriate for a church event Mm -hmm. and let me see if i can maybe pull like a a freedom talk out of it yeah and as i'm watching it the lord is revealing all of these paradigms um from the bible and all of Mm -hmm. these scriptures that were coming to my mind and i was just awakened with his love in a whole new way and the lord told me he said you show this to the girl and I will you basically I'm gonna sing over their hearts mm-hmm. every girl that comes I'm gonna sing over their hearts and I'm gonna have this moment with them during this yeah. rooftop scene and I'm gonna show them how much I love them mm-hmm. and if you if you haven't seen the rooftop scene yep. you should go onto YouTube and do Phantom of the Opera rooftop scene and it is amazing <laughs> and if you imagine that Jesus is Raul and he's yeah. singing over your heart it is like you'll experience God's love in a whole new way. It's it, it's really incredible. So it's a very um, very fancy type of event that mm-hmm. the girls will come to, um, with like delicacy, like foods, you know, like cream puffs and and crackers. The one we did was like a wedding. Like, it like is the like way a people wedding. dressed yeah. and the way the food and decoration was, it was literally like. A wedding reception. Yes. And that's exactly what God told me. He said, this needs to look like a wedding because I want these girls to know that I'm their groom and that mm-hmm. they are my bride and I want them to come and yeah. and come away with me. Come away and be my bride and let me love on you. And so that's that's the kind of event that um, that we've done. We've probably done four or five events mm-hmm. and um, one and being a lock-in. Go ahead. And we've talked about, so Lindsay also has a study 
a study that goes along with Father or Phantom. So if it's, you know, that this might be the year to do more of those studies, you know, um, if we can't do in-person events. But we've also talked about taking the same concept of taking a modern story and interrupting it with biblical precedents and kind of like pulling that out and presenting that and I think that is such a good idea like I'm not as creative as you to like actually like I'll let the Lord put on your heart what the next movie might be but I just love that experience it's a little bit like if you've ever been to one of those movie theaters where like like I remember seeing Moulin Rouge one time and they like threw beads at us um, or like some of those immersive type movies it's a little bit like that like you're viewing the movie but we're, we're only showing clips and we're stopping it and explaining to you, like, if Jesus was at this movie theater with you, he'd be like, okay, so did you see how the enemy just infiltrated there? <laughs> like, he's your friend at this movie viewing telling you how he sees it through his lens. Right. Um, so it's such a cool concept, and it's so good to minister to. We, we say that it's like teens, college, high school type of, I think any women can benefit from it, but it's such a good age group to focus on. Right. Making sure, because like you had already had something happen to you by that age. Right. So it's like so important to um, expose them to truth at that age, even right. if they're churchgoers. Even well, if the, the one important thing that I learned from it in, um, was that my cousin was deceived by the phantom. So Satan is the phantom. The phantom in the movie was this, you know, he was obviously being used by darkness. You know, he was a hurt and wounded person. He was not Satan, but right. he was being used by Satan. And Satan wanted to use Emmy for his own, or Emmy, right. Christine, for his yeah. own purposes. Mm-hmm. So, um, and that's what the enemy does, is he doesn't have any authority in the in this opera house. He doesn't have right. authority in this world. He has to use us to gain right. access to this dimensional realm. Mm-hmm. And so just like Christine was the fourth, like she was the face of the whole theater, he used her right. to gain authority and to put fear and manipulation into the opera house. If you don't do what I say, I'm going to still kill and destroy everything right. that you love and hold dear. And that's what he did to Raoul, and that's what he did to Christine and to the entire opera house. And that's what the enemy does to us. If you don't do this, then this is going to happen. Right. And so uh, we have to know what that voice sounds like, and we have to know yeah. the difference between because he was very smooth and very yes. manipulative and yeah. very, he promised her all of these good things and that's exactly what the enemy does and we have to know the difference and what do I follow Raul or do I follow Phantom you know who's whose voice am I following here and how do I know the difference and I'm feeling that a lot in our culture today is what voice do I listen to I don't I can't even trust the the news media anymore (laughs) like I don't know well and I just did a post on Instagram not too long ago I've been really convicted about idols lately um and you know I wrote on that post about how like idols in the Bible were pretty obvious, right? Like a golden calf. Like, you think modern day, me, I'm not honoring any calves, you know? But the thing about idols these days is that they're sneaky. Mm -hmm. It's like politics. It's like that church leader, that can't be bad. Or like physical fitness. Like, that can't Mm -hmm. be bad. God gave me my body. I can obsess over what I eat. Mm -hmm. Like, mm, these are some sneaky idols. And the same thing with the voice of the enemy. He has adapted to modern day things Mm -hmm. and is going to come at us in modern day ways. And it's just not as easy as like, yeah, you think, did I talk to a red guy with horns today? No, that doesn't mean that you didn't hear the voice of the devil at some point today. You know, so it's such a good lesson 
to teach people. So, um, so really cool. Okay, so Father Urbantum is on Facebook, so you can search for her there. She also has a group. She does her own live videos every now and then, um, and then also on uh, you have a website as well. Um, so yeah, so if you want to connect with Lindsay in that way, you totally can. Um, this was really cool, and I do hope I do hope that when life calms down and we're all in a better groove <laughs> that um, we're able to come together and work on a Father Phantom event again when the yes. time is right, when the Lord tells us, even if it doesn't look like what it used to look like, even if it's some other version of it, I hope we're able to do that. So everyone will just kind of have to Yeah, stay keep tuned. your ears open. If God tells me to do an event, we certainly will. Yes. And it's, but, you know, even if, if the, the viewers or the listeners can't, to come to an event they can certainly rent the movie yes. and ask the lord to show them like yeah. um what what this is all about like what is father phantom and, and how do i hear the voice of god and so yeah. i hope that it inspires our listeners to to really think about what does the voice of god sound like and how do i know that i'm hearing his voice how do i know whether it's not my own voice right and yeah. um so i just encourage our listeners to really ask the lord to begin to making his voice very clear yeah. and shutting out all the other voices yeah and if you do do that um, if you do watch the movie and you have questions, she also has a group connected to her Facebook page. In that group, there's like clips and discussions and stuff. So, oh my gosh, if you do watch it, jump in that group. We'll both see it. We're both in it. So um, if you do watch it, jump in there and let us know and uh, we can get a whole discussion going. So that is really exciting. Okay, guys, that's all I have for you today. Um, as always, you can find me on Facebook or Instagram at The Mama Marketer. I actually have a couple of really cool giveaways happening on Instagram right now. I'm trying to feature this holiday shopping season. I'm trying to feature like friends' shops. Um, so stay tuned. I've got a couple of plans. I have one posted right now that is my friend Mariah's Etsy shop. So some super cute things. So go check that out. Um, like I said, Facebook or Instagram at The Mama Marketer. Hopefully you're listening to this already on either Amazon, Apple, or Podbean. Um, next week I have my friend Crystal from church. She is coming on and um, she works in human resources. And so we're talking about like Enneagram, HR, COVID, how it all, how it's all mixing together in her life right now, right? So super excited to kind of hear what, how, especially like COVID, like how is that affecting your job in the professional realm right now. You know, I can only imagine. So um, be sure to tune in. All right, bye.